Hi nerds, this is Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Angela Howard, who is the Director of Talent Management and Culture at Kaiser Permanente. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. So let's start with who are you and what's your story? Yeah, so um, my name is Angela Howard. Thank you, Nicole, for the energetic introduction. I really appreciate the energy here. Um, I, I've worked in the space of uh, employee experience, talent management, and people development for my entire career. Uh, I actually started much of my work in the change and business transformation space. And so I've always been working in the space of, of working with, with humans and human potential and what people can do in the workplace and how we can get the best version of them. So, um, and that kind of transfers over to my personal life as well. I, I love what I do. Um, so yeah, I've been working in the space for, for a bit of time now, about 12 years. And so um, if I understand that correctly, I mean, the, your title is Director of Talent Management and Culture, but you do employee experience at Kaiser, right? Yes. So I know a lot of HR organizations are trying to transform to employee experience, yet we're currently not structured mm. in a way, right? So how, I'm just curious, how are you guys structured so you can deliver a seamless employee experience across HR? Yeah, so it's the way that we're thinking about the work is, um, is not from a traditional HR programmatic perspective. So I think what we're trying to get at with employee experience as a, as a, a, a new field of study in, in, in a sense, because it's, it, it is HR, but it's not, it requires some integrated thinking with the business, mm -hmm. is we're really focused on what is the journey of the employee? Forget about the programs that make up the journey. I mean, don't forget about them. We need, we need those. But employee experience is really about stringing through those programs to make sure that the way it shows up to our employees is seamless and is as we intended. So uh, I have an employee experience team that their main job is to get in people's business, <laughs> to, to work with the folks who run the programs end to end and ensure that the interconnectivity is happening from the minute somebody learns about Kaiser Permanente to the minute they leave and they become brand ambassadors of Kaiser Permanente. Mm -hmm. So you have an employee experience team that is dedicated to that topic and helps make the connections and pull all these pieces together along the employee life cycle. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then you said also um, to make sure that it's aligned to the business. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we, we try not to work in isolation. So at, at our best, we're not seen as HR. <laughs> we're seen as key partners with um, our operators and the people that run the business and serve our patients and our, 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 our members every day. So some of our key partners include people like our marketing team, folks like our nursing and safety quality team, because our approach and our vision is really that, and it seems pretty simple, but we assume that if we're creating a great employee experience, those employees are going to create a great experience for our members and our patients. So we don't work in isolation. We work directly with the business. 
Um, we try not to position ourselves as HR, but actual um, business partners who can help provide better outcomes to our, our consumers and our customers. So have you used some of the same methods maybe that marketing use or that you use for member or customer experience and applied it to employee experience? And if yes, how have you done that? So that is the exact uh, approach that we took with this team. So we've thought about um, our employees as consumers of the workplace. Mm -hmm. That is the vision. That's that's kind of what employee experience is about. So um, some of the, the key tools that we've used are um, journey maps. So to your point you earlier about... Can you explain what a journey map is for those yeah. who have used it? Yeah. Yeah, so a journey map is essentially, I guess, and it's um, really all it is, is really mapping out an employee's experience from beginning to end. So if I were to connect this in with a consumer or customer experience, think about your experience from the minute you walk into one of our clinics to the minute you leave. Mm -hmm. What are the high points? What are the low points? And how do we make sure we make those High points higher and those low point those low points um, changing those to low points to high points so mm -hmm. we know that there's specific it's kind of this this opportunity to really look at the employee life cycle um, on the employee side and identify what are the moments within that life cycle that truly matter the most what are those moments those milestones where we capture the hearts and the minds of our employees because to be fair, if it were every single moment, we'd have our work really cut out for us. But we know from research that there are some moments that matter in an employee's life cycle. So the journey map helps us put data behind that and to actually have a visual, um, very similar to I think what you have in, in, in your background, Nicole, there is um, how do you really create a visual to understand what those high points and low points are and how do we fill in the holes and the gaps to create a better employee experience? Mm -hmm. Cool. Can you maybe share one or two of those moments as examples? What might those be? Yeah, so um, research tells us that your first 90 days is really critical. It is either a, um, you know, our, our first 90 day turnover is relatively high, especially with some positions um, within our clinics. And so we really took that, because the journey maps can be very, very vast. So from when an employee starts to when an employee leaves, or you can kind of chunk them out and say, what does the first 90 days look like for an employee? And so that's where we focused because our data told us that our first 90 day turnover was high, especially with our millennial population. So um, the first 90 days, really critical, really key, and our data told us to look there. Um, another moment that matters is um, going on leave. So we were just talking about a, a wedding, <laughs> you know, um, employees getting married and changing their names, but um, key life events, becoming a new parent, um, um, taking leave to take care of a, of a sick parent. Those are key moments that matter to an employee and you as an employer can show up um, in a way to really capture that loyalty in the heart and, and the mind of that, of that employee. The third one is um, moving from an individual contributor to a manager. We all know that uh, becoming a manager or a leader is a, a huge step. And so we've really tried to capture what, what does that journey look like and how might my experience be different from an individual contributor to now leading a group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like what you said initially, I think, with the onboarding experience that you looked at data. So 
while a lot of what we do with experience design is a qualitative method, a lot of it is informed or should be informed by data, right? So you look at the data to identify what might be the opportunities, and then you use these qualitative methods like journey mapping to define the how and the what, yeah, the how and the why. Behind yeah, it. That, yeah. that is really important for us. We um, and, and one of the things that our team does is they serve as a hub for uh, voice of the employee. So mm -hmm. in with, with marketing strategy and marketing um, um, approaches, we, we use voice of the customer. And so we use the same approach with voice of the employee where my team is really the collectors and the hub for those employee perceptions and experiences. So we have kind of a one step shop. Mm -hmm. to be able to connect to those journey maps. That's really interesting because, you know, similar to our HR departments, which are all, you know, all over and not really connected, our data yeah. is the same. Yeah. You exactly. know, unless we have one, one system of truth, which still a lot of organizations don't have, right? So have this, to have this clearinghouse. And then the data that you said from the employees, it's not all quantitative data, right? You probably mm -hmm. also conduct interviews or what, what is the voice of the customer data that you collect? Yeah, we have, so we have your typical engagement survey. We have pulse surveys. We have, you know, data after the first 90 days. Um, we have exit survey data. We have forums where our leaders are asking our employees about their work experience. And so we, we kind of take it for granted that do a lot of asking, but not a lot of action. And so what we found was we actually collected about 14 different sources, I'm sorry, 13 different sources of data. Wow. And the, the feedback was the same. People have been saying the same things over and over and over again. And that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. So what we typically like to, we, we um, joke about this in our team, tell our leaders it's kind of become a thing here at Kaiser Permanente is don't be an asshole mm -hmm. don't ask over and over again unless you're going to do something about it so that's been a philosophy our employee experience team is also trying to build some muscle and capability with across the organization because it's almost worse to ask and not do anything than to ask at all so we try to really hone in on that and make sure we're not being assholes that's a great term. Don't be an ass call. <laughs> I'm actually going to use that um, for you guys on the phone. Please be ass calls right now and put <laughs> questions uh, that you might have for Angela in the chat and we'll address them at the end of the webinar. So be an ass call, but only today. Yes. Only today. Uh, only today. <laughs> only right now. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to you for a second because yeah. it's a question that I always ask people because now we're kind of getting into design thinking and creativity. So mm -hmm. what's your creative superpower, Angela? So I, I have this, I, I like to think I have this ability and the gift of connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. So um, if I had a super name, it'd be the dot connector. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We could think of some... Do you have a visual? I do. Yes. Yes. This is my, yeah. This is my uh, cape and my curly hair because I've got really curly hair typically, and I am connecting the dots. There you go. So, you know, I really, um, I have a really strong philosophy around the work that we do in employee experience and HR in that we cannot work as a silo. We have to be integrated into the business. And a lot of times we're in positions, I'm in a position with the roles that I've held 
to see the organization as it is and to work across lines to make things better and to optimize them. So and I just love doing this. I love kind of collecting artifacts and making connections and telling a person over there that they should be working with this other person over here to get something bigger, better, faster, or stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's certainly a good skill to have in the space mm -hmm. we're in. So mm -hmm. yeah. talking about connecting the dots, um, how would you articulate to people who are maybe fairly new in this space, design thinking and employee experience, how would you articulate the connection between the two? So um, I would uh, so articulate connecting the dots in employee experience. Uh, the, between employee experience and design thinking. Oh, and design thinking. Mm -hmm. so, this, so with design thinking, I always, the way I, I think about it in its simplest terms is um, you're involving the people who are, are um, kind of customers of the change or customers of the solution. So I think with employee experience, it's really about getting to the human element, the human experience. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always think of human-centered uh, human design um, from, as a change tactic. So if you're changing something, how do you involve the people who are receiving the change or who are impacted by the change, but also problem solving. Mm -hmm. So the way that our team uses human, um, human design thinking and human-centered design is we are getting people in the room to actually map out what the solution should be and getting those, those pieces of feedback mm -hmm. and to think about a solution or getting to a solution using the human experience. So this is not about technology or process. There might be some technology and process involved and automation involved to make the experience better. But at the end of the day, I need to get that, that problem solver in front of a, a computer or whatever the solution is to actually map map through it and to actually go through it to see what their experience is like and to stop me and say this is how that came across mm -hmm. so it's about getting the right people in the room it's about getting the people who are involved in the solution or the problem or the change um, in order to have a the best outcome mm -hmm. very cool and so obviously you have put a lot of work and thought already in creating employee experience using design thinking to create those um, what were maybe some barriers that you ran into or even failures to use that design thinking term or lessons learned, however you want to phrase it along the way? I'm sure you've had a lot of experiences that others can learn from. Yeah, I think it's combating um, cultural, um, uh, I guess, cultural differences that may cause us to question, well, why would we do it that way, right? Um, I think there's cultural barriers to, to human-centered design if you don't already have a culture of rapid prototyping, if you or, don't already have a culture of um, getting things to 80% and trying them. So uh, combating cultural, uh, current culture and knowing that actually implementing a process like this could change the culture. So it's really kind of getting buy-in it's a rapid failure and having people get used to that. And um, in some cases, asking for forgiveness later <laughs> and saying, you know what, we tried that. It was low risk. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's twofold. The, the, the barrier is we don't have the culture to support it. Sometimes we hit a roadblock. But if we can get it just a little bit past that resistance, it can change culture drastically and the employee's experience drastically. So getting people along the way 
just enough so that they can see the outcomes of what a design process like this would could produce. So can you give for an example how you did that? How did you overcome maybe that initial resistance or especially in a culture, and I don't know your culture, but many cultures mm -hmm. are not open to failure. It's just not how businesses are run, <laughs> right? I mean, failure is not rewarded in most business contexts. So these are pretty heavy concepts for people to wrap sure. their heads around. How, what were those small steps or these small wins? How did you get to them? So, um, so small wins for us were people were really excited to share their perspective. So we had individuals who just loved the fact that we were going out, soliciting their input into things that they just hadn't had a say in for, for many, many years. And so I think getting um, a nice represented group of people together in a room and energizing them around this concept, it, it kind of just spreads from there. And it's kind of this groundswell that happens as a, as a result. Um, the way that we were able to move it forward is we, we focused on this first 90 days. That was our first kind of design experience. Mm -hmm. And it was low risk because we, we just weren't doing very well at it in the first place. So it was kind of like, well, anything you do to improve this <laughs> would be helpful. So I think find a low risk um, implementation strategy where there's a problem you need to solve, perhaps you're starting from scratch, or you're starting from a process that needs to be optimized and lifted is a good way to start. And then involving people who you know you can get energized around this and you know can be ambassadors for the process. If you can accomplish those two things and then connect back to what you accomplish as a part of the design process. So we implemented um, some, you know, prototyping with our MA onboarding process, which is our MAs. It, MAs are very hard to find in, the, in Washington state and hard to keep. So um, we're already seeing turnover decrease. And um, so connecting it to metrics, to leading and lagging indicators that this process created a change or a product or a solution that moved the needle. That's actually a great tag, right? Because that's the, that's the next question I had. So how long have you been on this journey, bringing employee experience and design thinking to the organization? How long has it been? So it's only been about eight months. Okay, so wow, that's we, amazing. So what, what impact have you seen after eight months? And then to your point on metrics, how do you measure success? Yeah, so uh, we've, you know, again, we've been kind of really focusing on this first 90 days as a, kind of our prototype around employee experience. And so um, we really honed in on some of our critical positions as a part of the design process. Um, the first 90 days for MAs was one, one example of that. And um, also we are working on launching or, or building five new clinics. Within the uh, which within the state, we're in, we're kind of in a high growth high growth mode right now mm -hmm. because we're the newest region for um, Kaiser Permanente. So we've seen some. Um, so we we were using these new clinics as incubators to some of the employee experience work and the culture work that we were implementing. Mm -hmm. So we've seen some interesting results and and great results. And there are many factors to these metrics, but we, we like to think that we had a big hand in them. 
but we um, we measure member experience using Prescani scores. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but it's it's, oh, it's kind of like a net promoter score of sorts. Oh. Mm -hmm. it, it's 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 our measure for understanding what the uh, member experience is like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with our first launch of the new clinics, um, our Gig Harbor clinic, we saw um, Prescani scores in the 90, 99th percentile mm -hmm. across wow. Kaiser Permanente as an enterprise. And so we feel like some of the the tactics that we launched within that clinic were really successful and we continue to iterate again <laughs> design thinking so each mm -hmm. clinic gets a little bit better mm -hmm. um, and then we're seeing some some great results with our MA turnover which is where we kind of honed our focus with those first 90 days and um, just general 90-day turnover um, we're seeing some movement and, and better feedback from the folks who have joined us uh, within the last few months so Wow. More to come. I think, you know, the, the metrics we're really looking at are net promoter score for our customers, net promoter scores for our employees. So looking at both sides. I love that. I mean, that's certainly advanced that you're mm -hmm. already trying to tie employee metrics or, you know, how the employee experience might impact the customer experience. So yeah. that, you know. Absolutely. Next level measurement. Awesome. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited. And the nice thing is we have such great support from our operations. You know, that was a relationship we built very early on. Again, not being a siloed HR employee experience team, but we are a business partner. And again, making the connection. If you're treating employees well, they're going to treat your members well. And mm -hmm. if they know what good service looks like, mm -hmm. then they're going to provide that service. And we can hire people who um, provide that great service. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Angela, what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Oh, resource or hack. I, you know, journey mapping continues to be my favorite part of <laughs> design thinking. It's, um, and so journey mapping and also um, personas. So a lot of times uh, we will use personas when it comes to design thinking and employee experience where, so for example, persona may be M MAs, a typical MA coming into the organization. What's their vantage point? What are, they, what are they coming from? What's their education level like? How does that impact how they think about the work? Um, how might we think about an MA's experience through career and life in general? So creating personas has always been a favorite of mine because um, it helps you understand the differences. I, I'm really passionate about diversity and inclusion, and you can, you can do some broad stroke journey mapping, but one, it isn't until you get to, into those personas and understand the diversity of experiences where you're really getting at the, the root and the meat of what employee experience actually means. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's some advanced persona design, but to get people started, would you say that you could start with segments? So in your case, you mentioned MA, so they're a workforce segment, right? Or a demographic segment, I suppose, where it makes sense, but more mm -hmm. like workforces, maybe also employees versus managers or something yeah. like that? Okay. Exactly, or even, um, even points in time, like the night, first 90 days or, you know, the, um, if, you, if you see your data is telling you that there's like a drop off, because mm -hmm. we all know in some cases there's like this honeymoon period, right? If you don't leave mm -hmm. um, after the first 90 days, we often see a tick up and then it kind of plateaus and then 
depending on your workforce, it may drop. So identifying that point in time from your data and using that as a segment with journey mapping and personas. Cool. Um, so in summary, what tips do you have for those who want to get started using design thinking in HR? I would say um, certainly uh, get, have a position around employee experience and design thinking. Um, solicit help from others from the business, whether you have an innovation team or another team that is thinking about these things in a similar way. Uh, don't work in, in a silo and would certainly recommend positioning yourself as a business partner versus an, a, an HR person um, to accomplish all of those things and connected to the customer experience. Mm -hmm. I, love that. Of tools. I love that because when you connect it to the customer experience, you already position yourself as a business partner, right? You're starting with the business outcome, which is right. now we want to improve customer experience. And then you say, how can we do that? Well, improving the employee experience is one way to do so. And this is how we're going to do it. So I, I love that making that link uh, with your internal clients. Mm -hmm. um, before we go into the questions, uh, a fun last activity that I always like to do. I'll give you a quote and I'll let you react to that. Are you ready? Okay. So, um, quote, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them, unquote. Mm -hmm. Albert Einstein. I love that because um, it, it gets to my, the heart of what I think um, human-centered design and human design thinking is all about, which is constant innovation and constant prototyping and understanding that your solutions are going to change and evolve. Um, the marketplace that we're in today is changing. The globalization and technology and everything around us is changing. So it would not serve us well <laughs> to be um, narrow-minded about our solutions and to not unearth them and think about them in a new way. So I love it. It speaks, it speaks to the philosophy that we're talking about today. Cool. All right. So let's look at questions. So Matt is asking, um, how do you think about which aspects of employee experience should be automated or done systematically versus ones that rely on team or leader behaviors? That's a, that's a great question. So it's um, the journey mapping helps with this work. So if you think about journey mapping, I think earlier I mentioned, you know, moments that matter. We're humans and we need to think about humanizing the workplace. And we're highly dependent on technology to streamline the things that should be easy and convenient. But understanding where a human touch is needed and where humanization is needed versus when you can use technology to automate or make something quicker or more efficient um, can, can happen with journey mapping. So that would be my first recommendation. The second recommendation is um, technology is always an efficiency play. <laughs> um, and it's only a tool of many in a toolbox. So if you can identify opportunities to um, create manual processes that are causing a lot of time and taking away from valuable activities or strategic activities or, or activities that can be humanized for your customer or your employee, that's another opportunity for you to use technology to streamline and to add value with your experience strategy. 
Cool. And then how do you get managers on board to create better employee experiences for their associates? Uh, that's a great question. So there is a huge component of leadership involvement with this work. And it's, 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 um, it's undervalued in a, in a lot of ways because HR is typically the owners of employee experience, right? Unfortunately, we've positioned ourselves in that way. And so one of the things that we've worked on is as we're creating these tools and solutions, we're, we're focusing on the employee, but we're also focusing on what are the tools and the philosophies and the principles we need to instill in managers to sustain it. Mm-hmm. Because we know we can't sustain the solution. Mm-hmm. And I tell that my team that all the time, we can create all the tools in the world and, and solutions, but at the end of the day, the business has to absorb it and has to own it. So taking that philosophy, uh, it's going to take a bit of buy-in, but to your point, Nicole, asked me, you know, what are some barriers to um, um, human design thinking? And one of them is uh, people, people and leaders realizing that actually they're the ones who have to take the torch (laughs) and Mm -hmm. to move the needle after we've, we've implemented some initial solutions. So I think to summarize, I think it's really, um, it's building a different way of working and a different way of, um, of, of what we mean by leadership and what we mean by uh, leaders being uh, stewards of the employee experience. So I would recommend starting with something small, just like we did here at Kaiser Permanente, and getting the buy-in of one or two leaders who can, again, kind of pass that torch and and spread and scale it throughout your organization. I love that. I think that's some wise final words. You know, it really takes a village (laughs) to deliver employee experience, right? There's HR, there's the employee themselves, and then there's the leaders. So need to be together for that. Well, thank you, Angela, so much for sharing uh, your experience. And thank you. journey you've been on at Kaiser Um, and thanks everybody for listening in Um, we'll send out the recording and we'll hope to see you at a future talent talents episode bye everybody thank you bye